this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. The title of my message is uh, The Blame Game. The Blame Game. The blame game, okay? And, uh, but not only is it the blame game, but there's also an antidote, okay? Antidote, we'll talk about it, all right? So the blame game. And uh, I'm stalling a little bit until Nate can get here because, uh, and it's not him, it's me. I totally forgot it. Thank you, Nate. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so we'll go back here. All right, the blame game and the antidote, okay? So we're going to begin with this, and, and it's out of the book of Galatians chapter 5, okay? Galatians chapter 5, and it says this, beginning in verse 1 of Galatians 5. I'll be reading out of the NIV version today and a few other versions, so just hang tight as we go through those. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, that says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us Free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again with a yoke of slavery. So Paul is speaking to a group of believers in a region of Galatia. So it's not a city, but it's kind of an area, a region. And he is speaking to a lot of probably Jewish believers that are by birth Jewish, but have accepted Jesus as Christ. Because he goes on to say, do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And he's referencing going back into the old way of living under the old covenant. And so Paul is saying it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Secondly, in a little bit later in Galatians 5 verse 24, it says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Ooh, that's tough. That's not easy to do. Why? Because I like what I like. You like what you like, right? And it's tough to pass over those things. And we start with these couple of verses because they're going to set up the context for where we're going to go today. And it really ties in with us launching into freedom groups starting this week. You know, in our society, in our world, it is riddled with people who will not take responsibility for something. And I'll go ahead and lift up my hand because guess what? I do that too. We all do, right? And if you think you don't, just point next to the person you and just say, you do it too, okay? Just tell somebody right now, you do it too. It's all right. We're all on the same page, right? It's not like anybody's higher than somebody else. We're all on the same page here, okay? But in our society, many times, the actions that we take, we don't want to take responsibility for those actions, right? Something happens and they're going like, no, no, that's not, that's not me. I didn't do that. And you're like, come on. You know, that's like the little kids. If you've ever seen, a, encountered a little kid, maybe your own, and there, and you and you go, hey, did you did you open that bag of chips? 
and they got the cheese all over their face, right? All over their, all over their shirt and all over their fingers. And they're like, no, I didn't touch those chips. And you're like, uh-huh, yeah, right. <laughs> Did you eat that candy? No, I didn't eat that candy. Well, why is there a wrapper here on the floor? That, that, was, that was a whole piece of candy before. Uh, this past week, I was uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina for work meetings. And I was there all week. And leading up to it, we had to host a lot of teachers that we brought in to participate in this work. And uh, so we had teachers drive a long distance, so we had to have a hotel set up for them, okay? Hotel overnight so that obviously they can't drive three hours back and forth in the morning for the next part of the meeting. The week before, so this was about a week and a half ago, I get a call, and now this has been planned for a really long time, okay? Months and months, the hotel has been planned and has been booked for months and months and months. I get a call from the hotel manager that says, hey, I need to let you know about a problem. And I said, okay. And she says, so the person that you were working with before oversold the hotel by 20%. And we don't have enough overnight guest rooms for at least half of the teachers coming in. And I thought, that, that's a problem. What are we going to do with them? We can't just, you know, ask them to sleep in their car or in a tent or like to share a room. Right? You don't do that. But I, what I appreciated in this moment was that she goes, hey, by the way, um, I just want you to know I also have a solution. And you go, I like this lady. Because when you call and you have a, a problem that big just a few days before you're supposed to jump into things and you're like, what are we going to do? But she goes, hey, I just want you to know I have a solution. I've already called some other hotels locally. They're going to honor the rate that we already established. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. And I was like, that's what I'm talking about. Because why? Sometimes in those kind of situations, she could have easily been like, well, I'm sorry. That's it. That's all I got. Because we encounter it all the time. We take action, something comes up. Sometimes it's not even your own responsibility, right? You didn't cause it. And in that moment, you can go, I'm going to pass the buck or what am I going to do, right? So in our society, in the blame game, we have a, we have a lot of phrases, okay? And we're going to get into some of these. But in the blame game... See, it's our human tendency, what, to pass the buck. It's to, I don't want to take responsibility. I want to place that responsibility somewhere else. The definition of blame is this, to find fault with or to hold responsible, to place responsibility for. So I'm not going to hold myself responsible. I'm going to hold you responsible for what I did, okay? Or... I'm going to place the blame somewhere else. Well, it wasn't my fault. The dog ate my homework, right, is the classic example. Hey, Corey, um, we've got, I've got some feedback. I don't know if there's a way for you to adjust that just a little bit. Thank you, sir. Uh, the English word blame, uh, it, it has a little bit of history. It, it comes from the Anglo-French word, and I don't even know if this is how you would say it, but we're just going to go with it. Blamer, Okay which was also translated or brought forth from the Latin word blasmir, which came from the Greek word blasphemer. 
okay? So our English word blame comes from the same Greek word that we also see in the Bible, blasphemy. And what is blasphemy? Blasphemy is when you speak in a way that shows irreverence for God or something sacred. And so our blame, what are we doing? We're not only trying to get rid of it from like hot potato, right, the game. You're like, I don't want it in my hand. It's too hot. I want to give it somewhere else. But at the same time, what are we doing? We're actually degrading the situation. We're not holding it in reverence. We're not holding it as, I messed up, I made a mistake, and I'm so sorry. What can I do to fix it? Instead of that, we downgrade it to like, oh, it's okay. It's, it's something else. It'll be figured out. So in this case, we have uh, words or phrases that we use, right, to blame. I've already mentioned some, but pass the buck. What are you doing? You're taking the money and you're like, I'm going to give it somewhere else. It's not my money. It's somebody else's money, okay? Or we have things like don't shoot the messenger. Have you ever heard that one before? Someone comes and they deliver messenger, and the person that's receiving gets upset at you, and you're like, hey, don't shoot the messenger. What are you saying? You're like, this isn't me. I was just sent to tell you, but it's not me. (laughs) Don't shoot the messenger. Also, we have things like, uh, we'll say a phrase like, you have no one else to blame but yourself. Right? When you get in a situation and you're like, but, but, but. And you, kindly, you finally get to the point where you're like, you can't pass it anywhere else. It's you, right? It's the kid with the cheese all over their face. I didn't eat the chips. And you're like, you did. Or another phrase like, lay the blame at somebody's front door. You take it and you're like, I'm going to just put it over there. I'm going to walk away and I'm going to leave. I'm going to go somewhere else. I don't want to hold on to that responsibility. Also, the flip side, though, in some cases, like this experience I had where the hotel was oversold, and this lady called me, instead of passing the buck, she actually did something, another phrase that would say, the the buck stops here. The buck stops with me, and what does that mean? I'm taking responsibility. I'm going to make sure that this is taken care of. And she did that, which is not very common to see that happen. So as we do this, I'm going to give you uh, three things in the blame game that come about in the blame game. And what do we say in the blame game? You're like, I don't want to take responsibility. I'm going to pass this off to somebody else, okay? So in the blame game, number one, we try to cover ourselves, our own skin, right? We try to cover ourselves like, oh, uh, cover your own rear end, right? A scripture and a situation that we have is in the book of Genesis chapter 3, and you're likely familiar with this one. Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 10 and going through verse 13, it says this, he, who is Adam, answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he, God, said... Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And it goes on to say, the man said, the woman you put here with me. What is he doing? Blame game. That's not my fault. That lady you gave me, that's her fault. Right? You could 
Now, guys, don't ever do this because I'm just, just don't do it, right? It ain't going to end well for you. It ain't going to end well for you. But he passes the buck. Because it says that uh, you put here with me, and she gave me some of the fruit of the tree, and I ate it. In verse 13, it says, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And what do we see? The serpent deceived me, and I ate. What is she doing? She's like, I'm going to pass it just a little further. <laughs> I'm going to take it, and I don't want to keep it. I'm going to pass it on, right? Have, okay, just to show hands, or maybe not, have you ever participated in the blame game before? It's okay. We all have. It's cool, okay? We're all on the same page. We can call anybody out. So what happens, the blame game, what are we trying to do? We're trying to cover our own skin. We're trying to cover our own situation. And really, it doesn't end well for us. Because what happens, like what happened with Eve initially was she was really deceived. It says just before this that she looked at the fruit. She saw that it was good. She's like, I'm hungry, and that looks good. That it was also, it would bring wisdom. And, and it comes back to those same things, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, right? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. It's nothing different. Satan uses the same tricks over and over again to try and trip us up and trying to trap us. But what happens is that we can't be led by our eyes, what I want, because what, what, what you're trying to cover yourself. You're trying to cover your own skin. Number two in the blame game is this, that if you don't address it head on and quickly, it can continue to downward spiral, okay? So blame game, what do you do? Hey, it wasn't me. It was instead of taking responsibility of I messed up or I made a mistake or, again, in, in some cases where you're like, somebody else had this problem, I'll step in and take care of it. Again, the lady that was the manager of the hotel. It was not, it's her problem, but it wasn't her problem. <laughs> she didn't cause the issue, but she took responsibility for it anyways. And so in this case, if we don't address things head on and quickly, it's just like any sin, if you don't address it quickly and head on, it'll continue to fester. That's why when something comes up and you, you miss it, you make a mistake, you sin, it's just best to stop right then and there and go, Lord, I'm sorry. I missed it. I'm sorry, God. I... Just do it right then and there. Don't wait. Don't delay. Because what will happen, it will continue to fester. And then what will happen is that down the road, that downward spiral, you get a little bit more comfortable with the blame game. You get a little bit more comfortable of just passing the buck. You get a little bit more comfortable with covering yourself. And as we see those examples, it might be in a show or movie, or maybe in real life you've experienced someone like this, where they just lie over and over again. They just become what they what said a habitual liar. They just they can't get away from it. But what happens is that they lie so much they have to come up with a lie to cover the lie. And and that's True what happens in the blame game. If you keep pushing it away, that doesn't mean it goes away. That's right. It's going to come back to you, and you have to deal with it at some point. And then 
it's best to just cut it off, get it done. And an example of that is, is in the book of Exodus, okay? In the book of Exodus, chapter 32, and beginning in verse 1 and through 4, and then some verses later in the chapter, it says this, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain. So here the children of Israel, and we've been reading this story recently, or maybe we're coming up on it, I forget where we're at today. But we're, we're reading about how the children of Israel were led out of Egypt by Moses, and uh, they get to this place where God calls Moses up on the mountain, and it, he's in the process of getting what we know as the Ten Commandments. He's, he's in that process. But while he's gone, the people get nervous. I can't wait any longer. Why is he so long in coming? Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around, Mo, uh, around Aaron and said, now Aaron is basically the number two guy in charge, okay? He's supposed to carry the mantle and the leadership while Moses is there and Goodness, here we go, okay? So this is what Aaron says, okay? This is what Aaron had, uh, says. Come, they, they come to Aaron and they say, to, these are the people, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. They're like, we don't even know where he is. We don't know what's going on. We can't get him on the phone. We can't text him. We can't do any of those kinds of things, right? And uh, then it says this in verse 2, Aaron answered them. Let me make sure here. Here we go. Aaron answered them, okay? So here's Aaron. He's supposed to be leading them. And this is what he does. Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a cast. So do you see what Aaron does? He's got full responsibility in every shape and form of this part. Number one, he's supposed to be leading the people. He should have been right away like, heck no, I don't know what you're talking about. We're staying right here until Moses comes back. That's what he should have done, but he didn't. And then what does he do? He listens to what the people have to say. And then after he listens to what the people have to say, then he actually goes, okay, this is what we should do. He comes up with the plan. That's right. <laughs> he comes up with the plan. And then he actually carries out the activity of taking all that gold, boiling it down so it's liquid, and then molding it into a cow to say, everybody here is God who led you out of Egypt. Wow, that is a mess right there if I've ever seen one, okay? So fast forward a little bit. Moses is up, on the, is up on the mountain, and God says to Moses, you better get down because the people, they're in a mess already. They're already in a mess. You better get down there, okay? That's what God, I'm paraphrasing, okay? It doesn't quite say it that way, but that's what the Lord is conveying to Moses Joshua's up there on the mountain, meets Moses halfway, and, and Joshua's like, there's war happening in the camp. And Moses is like, no, it's not war. That's right. There's something else going on. 
So Moses gets all the way down to the camp. He sees all the people, what's happening. And it says this. We'll pick it up in verse 21 of Exodus 32. Moses says this to Aaron. What did these people do to you that you have led them into such great sin? Okay? He's like, tell me that they tied you up, that they, that they broke your ankles, that they like did something to you. Right? Come on. Come on. That's what... Moses is like, what happened? You know, did they, I don't know, like, did they do something to you? And, and this is Aaron, okay? Don't be angry, my Lord. Don't be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. And guess what he does? What does he do? Boop. I'm going to just shift that blame over somewhere else. He's fully responsible, and he tries to give it to someone else. What does it say? You know how prone these people are to evil. Come on now. That's ridiculous. <laughs> this is what Aaron says to Moses. You know how prone these people are to evil. And then uh, he goes on to say, They said to me, Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I told them, he kind of inserts himself, but he doesn't really, okay? So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold, right? He said, give me the gold. He's not, he should have said it a different way. But I love this. And I threw it into the fire and, poop popped out this golden calf. Now... I don't know about you, but if Lauren, Lauren was making uh, a number of things yesterday, which I got to heartily enjoy, and she didn't just take all the ingredients, throw it in the bowl, and out popped this orange, what was it called again? Pound cake? Oh, my goodness. Woo. Talk about something good. Okay, right? But she didn't take all the ingredients and throw them into the bowl, and then out of the oven pops a whole baked pound cake, right? It doesn't, doesn't this sound ridiculous? It's so ridiculous that it's like, come on. I mean, it's just beyond ridiculous, okay? But this is what Aaron says to them, right? So Moses is like, tell me they did something to you that you actually gave into this. And he's like, that's what happened. Right, so back in verse 1, it says, Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, okay? He was so long. Well, it was a number of days that he was up there. But they're like, gosh, it's been like years. That's what they're, that's what they're saying. It's been years since we've been right here waiting for Moses. I'm old now because of Moses taking so long. In verse 23, as for this fellow Moses, again, it says, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't even know what has happened to him. See, what happens is that when we are in this blame game, like I'm not taking responsibility for myself or my actions or what I'm doing, what I've caused, what I've brought about, we're trying to cover our own skin. But we have to be careful because in that moment when we're waiting, we can actually forego the promise of God, right? Not only are you shifting blame and not taking responsibility, but you can actually miss out on what God has for you. 
You can miss out on what God has for you. And so in the blame game, number three, we have this. Number three, in the blame game, number one, it was that, no, I have to remind myself, we try and cover our rear end, right? If we don't address it head on and quickly, it can keep spiraling down because even in these scriptures, in these previous ones, after verse 23, if you keep reading on, Moses looks around, the camp is wild. People are like full on. We're not even going to go into what they're talking about, but there's a lot of different things happening, okay? And if you want to read it, you can read it later. But it's, it's a mess because Aaron didn't cut it off. He didn't address it right away, and so it spirals down into this craziness. So number three, in the blame game, in the blame game, if we don't address it and if we play the blame game, it does this. It has immediate introductions, okay? The blame game, it has immediate introductions, meaning, hey, let me introduce you right away. So when you get into blaming other people or other things or you're not willing to take responsibility, there's immediate introductions, and when you blame other people, this is what happens. Blame is like, here, let me introduce you to my friend's shame and fear. <laughs> here you go. Have you ever met shame before? And this is fear. Yes. Okay? So when, when we play the blame game, it, there's immediate introductions. Shame and fear come, and we see this in all three of these stories. And also there's remaining residue, remaining residue or lasting results. When we play the blame game and we don't address things and we're trying to cover ourselves and we don't come clean, there's immediate introduction. Shame and fear come. We see that in the story with uh, Adam and Eve, right? They took the fruit. They ate of what they were not supposed to. They were disobedient. And they start playing the blame game. And what do they do? They hide right away because all of a sudden they have this knowledge of, oh, I'm naked, and they hide themselves, their shame, and then they hide from God because they're fearful of who he is all of a sudden. But at the same time, what happens? In that story in Genesis chapter 3, the Lord goes on to speak to each one of the three culprits in the blame game, to Eve, to Adam, and to the serpent. And God says, this is what's going to happen because of what you did. This is going to be the lasting result of what you have to deal with because of the sin, because of your disobedience. The same is true in the story of Exodus. You see that in this, where the, all the people are wild and crazy, Moses calls, uh, calls some people that are in their right mind and the right standing that haven't participated in the sin, and he's like, go through the camp and kill those people. And they did. Now that's crazy. Because not only did they have shame and fear hanging with them, but they were dead too. <laughs> they, were, they were killed. They were done. That's, that's lasting, right? That's lasting results. They get killed. That's lasting. And so, uh, and, and the same happens in this next story. So it has immediate introductions, shame and fear, remaining residue or like lasting results. That it's not just right now in the moment. But you could experience the repercussions of that sin and that blame and lack of taking responsibility. It could be years down the road. 
And once again, we'll just raise our hands and go, I've experienced it. I've done it. And years later, I, I reaped the benefit of my blame game. <laughs> right? It's true. So in this third story, to help us understand the blame game and how there's immediate introductions and remaining residue is here in the book of 1 Samuel, okay? 1 Samuel chapter 13, beginning in the second part of uh, the verse, uh, verse 7 and going through 14, it says this, Saul, who was at that time, he had been named and uh, crowned king, Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. They were like worried because this army was coming. And he waited seven days. Just say seven days. Okay, have you ever had to wait for something for seven days? Have you ever had to wait for something for seven minutes? And you're like, right? You're at the, you want to get that coffee, that latte? And you're like, come on. Why don't you have my latte done yet? Speaking the truth. Right? So they, they waited seven days. So there's an army they're supposed to be facing. A little bit of context. Samuel at the time, who we're going to read about, Samuel was operating as prophet and as priest. So representing the people to God and representing God to the people. But he wasn't king. That was Saul, okay? So there's kind of three different roles. Saul had one role. And Samuel had two roles, prophet and priest. And he was basically leading the country at that time because they didn't have a king. And then Saul gets anointed king because they're like, hey, we want to be like every other nation. We want to have a king. God's like, okay, I'll give it to you but you're going to regret it later. And so Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops were with him, quaking in fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, okay? So Samuel had already told Saul, wait here seven days. I will come and meet you, and then we'll pray. We'll ask the Lord, and then we're going to go into battle, and we're going to do this. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come. Samuel did not come. And uh, so not only did he not come, but then Saul's looking around. All the men are scattering. They're like, see ya, I'm out of here. Verse 9, so he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. Saul, who is king, he has one job to do, and that's to be king and to lead the country. He's not allowed to be prophet or priest. And yet he takes the sacrifices and he picks up what he's not supposed to do, okay? So that's what Saul does. He takes them. Saul offered up the burnt offerings, and guess what? In verse 10 of 1 Samuel 13, just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. He's like, I waited until 11.59 a.m. He's not here. I'm gonna start it. 20 minutes later, as soon as I'm done with the sacrifice, Samuel shows up, okay? Samuel shows up. And Saul went out to him uh, to greet him and his people and, and, uh, and, and Samuel, and it looks like I missed something here, but that's all good. He goes on in the verse after that, Samuel says, what have you done? 
And Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering, what happens? He's starting to fear. He's starting to worry. He's looking at what he's seeing. And instead of leaning in and taking responsibility and saying, no, we're waiting until Samuel gets here. Do not move, right? He was kind of a spineless guy. If you read other stories about Saul, okay? That's another time. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling, what is, what is Saul doing? He's building his, ga- uh, his case for his blame game. Number one, you didn't show up. Uh, well, the men were scattering. Something's happening. We got to do something right now. Number two, you didn't show up, right? He, Saul's like to Samuel, like, why didn't you come when you're supposed to? Why didn't you come through? And then finally he says the Philistines were assembling like they're coming at us. They're going to take us out. And Saul says, I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and have not, and I've not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to, to offer the burnt offering. What is he doing? He's like, well, I'm supposed to do this. This is what I'm, when he was clearly not supposed to do that. So in verse 13, um, he goes on to say, uh, you've done a foolish thing. You've done a foolish thing. And uh, this story helps us to understand the immediate introduction, shame and fear. Why? He's like, I'm worried, I'm afraid. This is Saul. He's trying to hide behind what he's doing. He's shameful and he's in fear because of what he's seeing. And then Samuel said to him, you have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, all right, this is, this is where the lasting results come that Saul misses out on. Samuel says to him, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. Now, that's a pretty steep promise from the Lord to say for all of time, you would have been, this kingdom would have been established as kind of like the cream of the crop, the standard, the gold standard that all other kingdoms are measured by. That's what Saul is telling him. If you had waited, if you had done how you were supposed to do it, but now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the command of the Lord, the Lord's command, okay? So the blame game, what does it do? Number one, we try and cover ourselves, our own skin, our rear end. We don't address it head on quickly. It'll continue to downward spiral. And it'll also introduce us to immediate shame and fear and lasting results. We're going we're gonna to lose out on things. But the good news, we have some antidotes, okay? We have an antidote. And uh, an antidote is this. If you don't know, you probably do. But an antidote is simply this, a, rem- a remedy to counteract the effects of poison, something that relieves, prevents, or counteracts, okay? So you've probably seen something, heard something where you have uh, somebody gets bitten by a poisonous snake. They drop to the ground, they're, they're swelling up, and the poison is going through their body, and in just a few minutes, boom, they'll be dead because of the poison, Okay? So the same thing, think of that as like the blame game, the poison that we put in our body when we keep passing blame. We don't take responsibility for it. But the antidote 
is this. Okay, so we've got a few things. We're going to go through five things and then we'll be done, okay? Five things. The antidote for our blame, for our shame, for our fear, for the, uh, the poison that we can ingest into our body. And number one is this. Enjoy regular doses of Jesus. <laughs> That's so good, isn't it? Right there. We could just be done there. Just enjoy regular doses of Jesus, right? Like a medicine. Being with him, receive from him, let him love you, let him yes. care for you, let him overshadow you. Regular doses of Jesus. Receiving and enjoying his love. Why? Because he has love for you, but you also have to be willing to receive his love. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 through 19, it says this. This is how... Love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. We're not worried. I'm all good because love is in me. In this world, we are like Jesus. We represent other, uh, uh, Jesus to others. There's no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear. Why? So on that flip side, blame game, what is that doing? We're trying to shift the responsibility. There's fear, there's shame. We're trying to get rid of it. Well, with Jesus, the more you spend time with him, the more you don't have room for any of that. That's, just what, that's what it says here. There is no fear in love. Fear cannot hang around. There's no shame. It can't hang around because in his perfect love, that is driven out. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We have to be, we have to be made perfect in love. What does that take? It takes being with Jesus. Why? Because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Number two, the antidote for the blame game and fear and shame and passing it on to somebody else is this, the antidote, passing Jesus on to others when or where I can. Passing on Jesus, why? We see throughout scripture there's so many times when the Lord would say something like to Abram, I'm going to bless you, but you're going to be a blessing to other people. The same thing is true here as we read in, in 1 John chapter 4. We love because he first loved us. We received Jesus' love for us, and then we have to pass it on to other people, okay? So the antidote, passing Jesus on to others when and where I can. 1 John again, four, four, uh, in verse 19, we read that. Also in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 14, it says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We're going to fast forward or rewind if you ever had a VCR. If you don't, you're too young. That's cool. When I grew up, we had to go rent a VCR machine at the store because nobody owned them. Come on, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, you're like, what the heck are you talking about? No, I'm telling you. We went to a place that rented these devices. You would rent it for the weekend you get a couple of VCRs, you'd have to rewind it yourself. Yes. Okay, anyways. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We're rewinding back to what we started with, and that's for freedom you've been called to be free, right? To be set free. You were called to be free for the entire law, right? All of the Old Testament fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. What? You take the love that you've been given, that you've been shown, and instead of blaming other people, other things for your own actions, you go, 
Instead, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to pass out the love of Jesus to other people. Number three, the antidote is this, reading and pondering his truth, the word daily. Okay? So not only do we have to enjoy the love of Jesus regularly, we also have to pass it on to other people, but we have to make sure that we're reading and pondering his truth, the word daily. It says this in Psalm chapter 1, verse 2, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. If you read about that, it's talking about the blessing on those people. They're blessed in whatever they do. They just seem to, everything works right. Well, it starts by this, by people that invest in God's word, knowing, reading, absorbing, writing about his word, and and getting it in the inside. And number, uh, and <coughs> excuse me, and Psalm 119, 143 says this, which is a favorite scripture of mine. As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. Oh, have you felt any pressure? Have you felt any stress? Have you felt that? Oh, I just want to pass it on, that responsibility to somebody else. I don't want to deal with it today. No, lean into the word of God. Lean into his truth because when those things come, we can find joy in his truth and his word. Uh, Also in uh, John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, this may be familiar to you, but uh, it says, as to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching... If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So God's word will set us free. It will clean us out. Hey, I don't have any room to blame other things because it's not in me anymore because I'm just filled with his word. I'm filled with his love. I'm filled with his goodness, and I don't have any space or any capacity for those things. Number four, the antidote, walking, living, and praying in the spirit. Walking, living, and praying in the spirit. Why do we need to do this? Because Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You know, many times when we're dealing with sinful things, uh, the tendency is, I'm just going to try and not do that anymore. I'm going to try and not do blank, fill in the blank, right? I'm going to try and not lie anymore. I'm going to try and not cuss anymore. I'm going to try and not drink anymore. I'm going to try and not whatever, fill it in. But Paul says by the, by the Holy Spirit that if we walk by the Spirit that we won't even be able to gratify those things. Like there's no room for it. It can't even hang around. It can't exist because I'm walking in the Spirit. That's why we need to walk in the Spirit. Uh, it, later in, in Galatians 5 verse 25 it says this, since we live by the Spirit let us keep in step with the Spirit, okay? So we're walking, we're living in the Spirit. Why? We're going to keep in step with the Spirit. And it says this in Jude, verse 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You got to do it. These are the antidotes. This is, these are ways to avoid living in a life where you're like, I don't take responsibility for anything. That's, that's, that's not kingdom living. Kingdom living is I step up and I take responsibility for what I can. 
We understand that there's things that you may not be responsible for that have been done to you, that you've experienced, that you've... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you caused that. Things have been done to you that maybe were beyond your control. And what I'm not saying is that that's your fault. But even in those things, I believe that we can take the antidotes that the Lord has given us and we can walk in freedom. We can walk in it. Why? Because then instead of walking in fear and shame and pain and hurt, it becomes part of your testimony that helps set other people free. And so we have to live, we have to walk, and we have to pray in the Holy Spirit. Finally, number five, the antidote, denying my flesh daily. Ouch! Oh, that hurts. Woo! We're getting real now, right? Okay, we're getting, we're touching some nerves. I apologize, but just talk to the Lord about it because that's what he said to talk about. So we're, we're talking about it, right? Denying my flesh daily, crucifying. It actually says that in Galatians 5. We know, uh, or we may be familiar with these verses, just after Paul talks about don't walk in the flesh, but walk in the spirit, because if you walk in the flesh, you'll fulfill the desires. He lists a whole bunch of desires and things that we'll do if we're walking in the flesh. The flip side, he says, but this is why we walk in the spirit. This is why we live in the spirit. Why? Because the fruit of the spirit are, are these things, love and joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, right? We have that picture of Jesus that he was crucified on the cross. Paul uses that same picture to say you got to take those things, those evil desires that sometimes still lurk in us, you got to take those passions and you got to nail them to the cross. I'm not going to live in it anymore. I'm not going to walk in it anymore. I'm not going to claim it anymore. I'm not going to say, well, that's just who I am. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm going to nail those passions, those desires to the cross. And instead, I'm going to let the fruit of the Spirit be evident in my life. Because if we don't do that, we will walk in the flesh. And so today, we have these things that we struggle with, but we have the answers, the antidote that if we would enjoy regular doses of Jesus, spend time with him. And you're like, I don't have time. And you're like, you better make time. Because <laughs> if you don't make time, you're going to have those lasting effects. Uh, you're going to pass Jesus on to other people when, when and where you can because something happens, something comes alive when you pass on what God has done for you, how he's changed your life, and you pass that on to other people. They have good news, right? That's what it is. The gospel, it's good news. It's not bad news. It's not stale news. It's not old news. It's good news. It's fresh news. Reading and pondering his truth, his word daily. We've got to get his word into us. We've got to walk and live and pray in the spirit. And then we also have to deny the flesh. We've got to crucify it, nail it to the cross and be done with it. And as we do those things, it brings us back to where we started. Galatians 5.1. Nate, you guys can come up. And do we have time? Could we sing that? Can we sing that song? Okay. Galatians 5 verse 1. Let me just read it again for us. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Why has he done this? 
Was it just to get free one time and then go back into things? No, it says basically get free and stay free. Get free and stay free. That's why he's done that for us. Take responsibility, stop leaning into that. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying this today because I've got it all together and I've never done it. No, like I can give you examples where I know in life where I've passed the buck. I've tried to not take responsibility for it. I've tried to hide behind it. Why? Because I was in fear of what's gonna happen to me. Maybe shame because I was supposed to do something and I didn't come through and now I feel like, oh, I'm a failure. But the Lord wants us to live in freedom. Galatians 5.1 again, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that he has set us free. This week, jumping into, as Pia talked about, freedom, freedom groups. Again, you may have seen this already, may not. We are going to have these ready starting Tuesday for everyone to pick up. We'll have them, we'll pass them in. Uh, Tuesday night, we're going to start with freedom groups, 12 weeks. I believe it's going to be life-changing for us. And you might say, well, I'm already free. We can always be more free. (laughs) We can always be more free. But guess what? It's not just for you. It's for other people. We believe in sense that as we've been praying uh, for 2023, that in our city, in our neighborhood, around us where we live, that God wants to release a breakout of salvations. You know, like Book of Acts kind of stuff where 3,000 people come to the Lord in one day? Like, hello, somebody. Right? That's what the Lord wants to begin to do. Now, it might be one, it might be two, it might be three, but it's going to be an explosion of people coming to the Lord. They need a family. They need to be loved. They need to be cared for. But guess what? what else? They not only need to be receiving Jesus, but they need to be set free. And they need to know how to walk in freedom, right? Jesus told a story that if you want to plunder a strong man's house, you got to first go in and tie up the strong man. And then after that, then you can go in and plunder all of his house. And and he also said uh, a, a story of where someone basically gets set free from like being demon oppressed and demonized They get set free, and it says uh, the demon goes and comes back and finds the house swept and cleaned and in order. But then he takes others with him, and they re-inhabit the house. Why? Because there's nobody living in the house. There's nothing on the inside. And so it's not just for freedom set free one time, but it's to live, to continue to live in freedom. And so we do, we want to invite everybody, encourage you. You might go, hey, I've got this. I don't care. Do it anyways. Do it. Let's do it together. Why? Because we're not only doing it for us now, but we're doing it as we prepare because it's not going to be long where we don't have time to organize another class. Like, you're going to have to step up and go, hey, we've got 15 new people today that said yes to Jesus. we got to start a new freedom group. Okay, start it. 
You're going to have to find people at work, and there's a breakout of salvation at work, and you're like, okay, i got to lead these people through freedom. And we're going to use this as a way to equip ourselves and be, be trained and, and prepared. Why? Because it's for freedom that you've been set free. Let's do this today. Would you close your eyes? We, uh, let's respond to the Lord today. I don't know if any of this hits you. I hope that you didn't hear my voice. I hope that, I don't hope. I know that the Lord is speaking. I know that the Lord wants to impart things to us today. And just take a moment, would you, and out of your own words, out of your own heart, would you just say something back to the Lord like it could be, I heard you say that, Lord. I need to do this. I know I'm catching things. I know that there's things that I'm hearing from the Lord that's like, okay, I need to make this adjustment. But respond to him right now. Lord, we come to you and we say, we said it at the beginning, our ears are open to hear, our heart is ready to receive, our eyes to look into your truth, and we don't want to leave this time just the same way we came in. Lord, we want to walk in freedom, and we want to not just be free, but we want to stay free. We want to live in the freedom and your love that you have for us. Let's do this today. I want to make sure that we give everybody an opportunity to respond. If you've never said yes to Jesus, we want to give people an opportunity to say yes to him. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe you've said it before, but you're like, hey, I need to, I need to mean it this time. I need to walk in it. And so if we do this, I'm just going to say a few words. If you would repeat after me, and let's just all this, I'll, I'll do this together. Just say these things. Jesus, I thank you that you gave your life for me. You gave your life so that I didn't have to live in the blame game. I didn't have to live in continual fear and shame. I turn my life over to you today. I tell you that I love you, that I need you. You are my God. And I want to live for you. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.